0: All right, welcome back to Building a Fighter. My name is Dr. Austin Shane, sports chiropractor in Scottsdale, Arizona. With me, as always, badass strength coach in Denver, Colorado, Alex Friedman. Today we're gonna talk about a hot button, hot button topic. Got brought to Alex's attention. Um, but he is what you're taking in interns and stuff like that, potentially.
1: Yeah. Um, our gym land out performance. We always have a, a rotating internship class with his, which is nothing new for strength and conditioning in general, but um, one of the topics that we've hit on and that has just been brought up in general in a couple of my internship curriculums, whether I was taking it or uh, teaching with it, is just this this issue or not issue, but this topic of professionalism. And what does it mean to be a professional within the field of healthcare, strength and conditioning, coaching? Um, And how is that portrayed? Because coaching is kind of a A loosely ran ship if you will you know we're not walking into our sessions with a suit and a tie and a briefcase type of thing so um beyond those superficial markers what does professionalism look like how do you conduct yourself as a professional with with your peers or your um colleagues and then i guess just we'll have just a conversation surrounding uh some best practices or what we found to work with professionalism for sure And the other thing is me and
0: Alex are definitely going to disagree at points in time on this. Uh, If you know me in person, you know that I roll into my clinic with flip-flops on um, and typically Lulu shorts that look like swim trunks, um, just because I have a different definition of professionalism. And my definition of professionalism is I need to everything that I do as far as for my job, is going to be tight-knit. It's going to be locked in and dialed in. So when I show up, their lift is up on the board. I have my program done for the month. I have, uh, as I talk to them, I'm not like, uh, yes, I'm joking around. I'm doing X, Y, and Z, but I'm never going to, I guess, get them out of the zone that they need to work in. So I'm not going to take them away. I'm not showing up to sessions stoned, which I've seen coaches do, (laughs) but- like, I'm being a professional in the sense of the word that my job takes priority. Where I disagree with a lot of people is that it needs to be a suit and tie. I like the one thing that really, really bugs me, and I don't understand why it bugs me, and I really don't care what people do, but people that look down upon others for like the clothes they wear when they go into the clinic. Like, I have people that I would talk, talk to in the healthcare world that if you're not wearing a dress shirt and a tie to the clinic, they're like, well, you're not, you're, like, you're not in healthcare. Like, that, that makes us look bad as doctors. I'm like, fuck you. Like, what does it matter what I wear when in reality, it matters how I help that person in front of me? It, what, the clothes that I wear in no way correlate to the level of care that I give or the level of strength and conditioning that I give right? It doesn't at all. So why are we so focused on the cosmetics? Why are we so focused on the aesthetics? When in reality, I can spend a lot more time focusing on how can I make this person in front of me feel as good as possible and perform as good as possible?
1: No, I completely agree with you. It's the service that you provide and for me, those are like the non-negotiables. Like you have to offer a well tight knit program that you've thought out and planned out and done your assessment and based everything off your uh, scientific principles and program writing type of things. Like those are the, the essentials. Like you can't skimp on those because if you do that, you're doing a genuine disservice to your client and you're not being a literal professional. Um, but where I get, um caught up with like the dress code type of stuff, Austin is what, what you're saying about making sure that you're providing the best atmosphere for your client or making sure that you have your ducks in a row with your program on the board. You're showing up early, you're doing this and that. I think that just for me personally, it extrapolates to how I present myself and how I feel within my context or within my session. So I know personally I feel a lot better if I'm wearing you know sports like I wear uh, like khaki shorts when I coach sometimes and I wear like a polo or just a t-shirt, whatever. But I don't go down the route of a tank top and swim trunks or whatever, like in foot flops. I'm
0: not wearing tank tops. Let's be real here. It's just <laughs> well, Lulu shorts.
1: I was going to say that's not because the professional thing that's because your arms thing, but it's true. I got to get them back. But I know that I feel better about the service and the, how I carry myself when I do dress more professionally or when I feel like I'm more in the zone as a coach, I know that I can offer a better service to my athletes. So that's what helps me get myself going in in a sense. So I extrapolate the, the tight-knit approach to my programming and the service, to how I present myself, to the facility that I'm in, to all those extraneous variables. Um, and it's a saying that's been killed, I think, by now, but like how you do anything is how you do everything. So I want to do that with quality and I want to present myself as a tight-knit, well-kept individual with hair to his shoulders and an untamed beard.
0: Well, it comes down to basically what, what I'm hearing is authenticity. You feel better. It's you to coach in a polo. It's you to coach in khaki shorts. That, that is Alex Friedman, right? Correct? When, yeah. it down, like, when it comes down to what I do, like I, I feel like I have a better handle on things if I show up a little bit more relaxed and I can provide a better service because yeah. people get drawn to authenticity. I feel like the biggest argument that I have with a lot of people like a lot of people don't like how much I how much I swear. I don't give a fuck. <laughs> like, Sorry mom. I'm not talking about you, Sherry. There's a lot of people. <laughs> but like my mom as well. But it's a lot more important to me to be authentic than to come off as professional. People are more drawn to authenticity than they are to professionalism. I feel like yeah. the only time In all honesty, the only time that I think professionalism, like quote unquote, like suit and tie professionalism is what I'm talking about comes off as a higher priority is first impressions for like when I have a new patient, I'm not wearing flip-flops. I'm going to wear shoes. When I have a new patient, I have a polo at work. If it's somebody I don't know from combat sports, I have a polo with my logo on it at work that I'll throw on outside of that. Once I get to know that person, then it's immediately back to Austin not just Dr. Austin, ha, ha ha that type of bullshit. But in reality, 99.99999% of the times, authenticity is going to be key. Authenticity is going to be the biggest driver of growing and actually growing your business because people don't want to go to somebody that's acting. People want to go to somebody that's like iconically themselves. And actually, I was just listening to uh, Snoop Dogg on, on Joe Rogan. Fantastic that's hilarious episode.
1: podcast, by the way. Yeah, that's awesome. Most but,
0: people. but, and that's, I've listened to Gary Vee say this. I heard Snoop say it, but like, that's the reason why people are drawn to Snoop because that motherfucker's always Snoop. He's yeah. not acting. He's not, he's not gin and juice. Wasn't an act, that type of shit. That's him. Yeah. And that's what, when people come to see me, I want them to come see me. I don't want them to come see an act. You, yeah. you know what you're getting? Essentially.
1: Yeah. I a hundred percent agree with that. And I think hopefully this, this kind of wave of authenticity can kill the whole, you know, fake it till you make it type of idea that I've done. I've preached, I've talked about, but like fake it till you make it is just a, a cop out to give yourself some confidence, right? Because a lot of the times when we're trying to quote unquote fake it, it's because we don't have the confidence. We don't have the, the wherewithal to carry ourselves because we're insecure about the service we are providing or about our knowledge set and knowledge base. Um, but the whole fake it till you make it thing. Is exactly what it sounds like. It's fake, right? And people don't connect with that, don't vibe with that. And that's where I think personally, in my coaching experience, I've had a, a big shift since now taking this new job with uh, Landau and Factory X. Is like, I've been able to be authentically myself and been confident in my skill set enough that I can connect with the athletes and I don't have to have this, this professional barrier that like I need to constantly show you how much I know, right? I feel like that happens all the time is like, I'm faking it because i need to show people that i know things in order to get myself to believe that i know things. Mm-hmm. And you need to cut that circuit short and like and it's all fine and well if you're on your path and you're developing your own skill sets and things, but it's better i think for relationship building and for even like professional networking sometimes just admit like i don't know rather than to be fake and disingenuous and quote unquote say what is right thing to be said.
0: Well, and, and Alex can tell you and everybody that knew me from high school to beginning of undergrad can tell you about me. Like I was that guy fake it, fake it till you make it was my fucking saying I can bullshit the best of them, but it's exhausting not being yourself. Yeah. Like, like exactly what you're saying. That's how I used to feel. I felt like I knew how smart I was. But did I really, and I felt like I needed to prove to myself how smart I was by telling other people like random things or trying to be the guy that had knowledge. And that's fucking exhausting to be that guy. And it's not a good personality trait. People typically like, you're going to get caught up in stuff. You're going to get caught up in lies. You're going to get caught up in bullshitting. And it's, it is not a good way to go through life. And I'm just lucky that I realized that because that's, it's, it's, it's fucking annoying Looking back at all the things that I, instead of trying to
1: show people how smart I was,
0: I could have just been fucking getting smarter.
1: (laughs) Yeah. You just, you could have just been, yeah, been yourself and been smart, which go ahead. Go ahead. Well, and I was,
0: well, yeah, yeah. And I was just going to say, like, and I just got really lucky that honestly, it all, not about Lisa, oh, she makes me a better person, but it all kind of changed when like I met my wife now and and I'm like, oh, this is who I'm going to be with All X, Y, and Z. Like for whatever reason that like that flip just switched and I, it allowed me to be, just be a little bit more comfortable in my own skin. And that's what allowed me to take that step and really like th- introspectively think about what the type of person I was. And that's what allowed me to like make that switch. And I don't fucking care if people think I'm smart. I really don't. The one thing that people can never say about me is that I don't give it a hundred percent and that I don't try to do what's best for the person in front of me at all points in time. Outside of that, I don't fucking care what people say anymore. Yeah, Isn't that cool
1: to say my wife? Yeah, it is pretty dope. But, <laughs>
0: but like, it's legitimately, that's something I think about all the time is like, you can say everything you want. You can call me a dickhead. You can say I suck, X, Y, and Z. The one thing you're never going to fucking say about me is that I'm bad at my job. And that's all that matters.
1: Yeah. No, I 100% agree. I think that's a lot of character growth out of you, Austin, I've seen. And I, I commend you for that. Um, mm-hmm. But no, I think, at least also. Don't get hum- me wrong.
0: I still like bullshitting people from time to time to see what I can get away with. I know. I know. But it's not the majority of what I do anymore.
1: <laughs> not the majority anymore. <laughs> I think Lisa also humbled you a little bit, which which was needed and deserving. So that's fucking awesome.
0: Yes. Yes, she did. And yeah, she's made me a better person, but
1: enough about her. I don't want this to be a sob story. <laughs> <laughs> but the other thing too that that kind of goes off of that is like how much of that is ego driven? Like that's another like for me, another cardinal sin, not only in like interpersonal relationships, but also in a professional setting is letting your ego get in the way. You know, it's like if I'm not providing this service for somebody and I but I don't want that person around them because they're my athlete, quote unquote, or because I know I or I I think I can do the best job and um, I'm going to block everybody else out because of that. Or I don't need to learn from you because I already know more than you type of. of thinking is like, that's, that's not professional at all. That's not building relationships and that's not, you know, being open to new ideas or even networking with new people. And so that to me is a sign, a huge sign of immaturity and a huge sign of, uh, for lack of a better term, you know, uh, unwillingness to, to go there, to be open, to be vulnerable those well, types be- of things.
0: Yeah. It's because it, from what I've seen a lot of the times people when they're younger in the profession, but they know that they have a bright future or they know that, that they can get to the pinnacle in their mind. Still, they want to walk in and be the big dog. They want to walk in and be that guy that, that they're the alpha, especially in strength and conditioning, strength and conditioning yeah. is a fucking alpha field. And it, They think they need to walk in and it's a dick swinging contest. When in reality, like we've talked to, we've talked to some of the best strength coaches in the world. We talked to Bo, Bo doesn't give a fuck. (laughs) Bo's just going to Bo, Bo Sandoval is going to do his work. It's fantastic work. And he doesn't care what you think. That's what true alphas think about. But for somebody young in the, in the field, they feel like they need to show people what they know instead of just doing the damn work. And getting in, and getting to the end goal and that's something that it's a flip that needs to be sw- or switch that needs to be flipped in everybody's head to go from good to great if you want to be great at what you do that flip needs to switch switch needs to flip flip needs to switch i fuck that he, up every time
1: he just did it in the camera which we don't publish the video so that's, that's fine smooth smooth my man um yeah i think 100% that to me and one like personal realization I've had around this is like, you know, and I went through like small journey of like manhood. It's like, what, what does it mean to be a man? Right. And I can think of the same way as like, what does it mean to be a professional? Like being a professional is not pounding your chest saying, I know all of this. Look at me. I'm so great. Being a professional is putting your head down, doing your job, creating relationships, and then genuinely growing. Or the other way that I frame it is, You have to genuinely, you know, do what you want to do as a professional. You got to go do what you want to do. And then your character reveals itself over time. Like if I, if I'm genuinely insecure and I don't want to allow anybody else in my corner and I don't want to learn from anybody else, that reveals character flaws in myself. Mm-hmm. But if I'm a professional and I I go out and I, I create the relationships and I, I do my best and my genuine best to get this athlete ready to perform at their peak potential, then that character is going to reveal itself as well. So that's kind of how I look at that as far as being open, but also being again authentic to yourself. And then helping the awareness to reflect back and see how did this go wrong? How can I fix it the next time? What went right here? What are my strengths in this area? How can I carry that forward and do it again? So I think that the personal awareness is huge in, in itself of being a quote unquote professional.
0: Well, and I think you hit the nail on the head. And I think professionalism is a spectrum, right? It's just like everything else in life. It's not just one thing is professional. Like we talked about earlier, authenticity is key, right? I think that's one of the biggest things in being a professional. The best way to be professional is to be authentic. But on top of that, if you're not reflecting on everything that you do, if you're not thinking about how you could get better, that's also not professional, right? If you don't have, if you don't have the wherewithal to actually look inward and figure out what's working, what's not working, figure and and make those different points in your head of, hey, maybe for whatever reason, maybe people are turned away from me because I'm wearing flip-flops. Who knows? That's a, legitimately a thing that I've been told. I get yelled at all the time. Then I, if it's not working, if my business is failing, maybe you need to switch up what your definition of professionalism is. Maybe you change that cosmetic approach and you just scale it back just a little bit. Even though that's not as authentic, in your head, you have to make that realization. And in your head, you need to change what your definition is because it's on a spectrum. Professionalism has to be a spectrum between what the outside world sees combined with the authenticity in your own body. And that's always a sliding scale of what's best for you and what's best for your business. And then what's best and most importantly, what's best for your athletes or patients.
1: Yeah. And I think there's always going to be that element of like biting the bullet or having to do the the stuff you don't want to do. You know, Mm -hmm. it's not like it's not every day in my job that I get to go in and sunflowers or sunshine and rainbows and daisies and shit. It's like, there's days that I do have to wear a suit and tie. There's days that you do have to, you know, toe the line and and bullshit with somebody that you really don't agree with or don't Mm -hmm. want to associate with. There's always going to be that level of professionalism where you're you're jumping through the hoops in order to get a better outcome. And I think again, that's something that you have to kind of grow up with or that you have to just accept and say, you know, instead of having my ego do the talking and say, fuck that, I'm not doing this. You can't make me it's all right, I'll do this to endure the relationship to endure not You know, not wearing flip flops or whatever, because I know ultimately that's how I will do the best service. And I think that's a good example in yourself, Austin, is like if you're not getting business because you're wearing flip flops or you're carrying yourself a certain way, then you're not accomplishing your main goal, which is to do the best service for every athlete that you can. Like if you don't have people in the door, you're not helping anybody. So there's a and also I would
0: I would like to point out that wearing flip flops has affected my business zero percent for everybody listening. That's, that's that was Austin just a, ego
1: Austin's <laughs> ego defending <laughs> itself right there. That's
0: just an example I was throwing out there. But there's another thing to be said for when you look at some of the most successful people, I love studying extremely successful people. If if you talk about like what I like to read, I fucking love biographies and autobiographies on on thought leaders. That's my favorite thing to listen to or read. When you look at Steve Jobs, when you look at Elon Musk, when you look at Jeff Bezos when you look at all of these different people they are unapologetically themselves so what does that tell me when i'm thinking about how professionalism plays into a workplace it tells me that it is to get to get to good i say this all the time for training but for professionalism to get to good hey maybe you have to do some things that you don't always necessarily are 100% authentic for you right maybe i got to wear shoes whatever that's it's sticking with that same example but to get to great you need to find your roots again, and you need to be able to like, really figure out who you are. And as soon as you figure out who you are, you need to fucking stick with that shit and ride that shit to the moon. Because the one thing I guarantee, I, look at Elon Musk. You're telling me that motherfucker isn't authentic at every single point in time throughout his day. Think, look at Steve Jobs, like when Steve Jobs was alive. He's the reason why Apple became Apple. Look at Jeff Bezos. He's the reason why Amazon exists. Look at like Gary Vee's a perfect example. He says it all the time. He's like, I I basically grew this wine company into one of the largest businesses, the largest wine distributor in the country, A, and B, now he's got a hand in almost every single field of business in America. Dude's rolling in it. And he's unapologetically authentic. He's always himself and he's never not going to be that. So what does that tell me? That tells me in order to go, in order to, you got to play the game a little bit in order to get to certain meetings in order to get to certain points. You got to be able to play the game. That has to be something within you that you can do. But in order to get from playing the game to dominating the game, you got to be really, really true to who you are and really, really unapologetically authentic. Cause that's how, that's what people are drawn to. That's how you go to millions of, millions of views on TikTok, like fucking Gary V on every single video he posts. That's how you go to people literally. It's a cult following for Elon Musk. He's literally changing financial fields because of tweets. That's obscene, but it's because he's unapologetically himself.
1: Well, when I think about it too, we can like and I love that it's in the framework of like a journey or a path because we can almost parallel that with like your martial arts experience and how you build yourself up as a martial artist, right? You have to you you have these things that create you, like I gravitate towards wrestling, I gravitate towards Muay Thai I gravitate towards whatever because of who I am as a person I, I grew up wrestling or this or that or I have an affinity for hitting somebody in the face um, exactly. and that's where you have a little bit of like initial in your style initial you know preference and everything else and then you kind of have to go through the grind work the the muck of learning the basic techniques learning the individual cues learning how to you know throw the best kick possible and then repeating that over and over and over again within your mixed martial arts and then once you get to a certain level in your game you start to personalize it stylize it and then break the rules again right because then you're interject injecting yourself back into the rules similar thing with professionalism is what we're kind of outlining here is like, you cut your teeth, you define your career. I'm going to be a strength and conditioning coach because I like X, Y, and Z. I can help athletes, blah, blah, blah. Um, I'm at this gym and I'm learning how to power lift really well. And that's what I gravitate towards. right? And then you go through the shit work. How do I teach people how to move? How do I cue this? I got to see a million reps before I can actually identify what's going on. Uh, This is a cue I should use for that. And you go through all of that repetition work, which is everlasting and ongoing. But there's definitely a phase in your career where you get the most of it, right? Mm-hmm. And then you become a professional, you maybe get an esteemed job, or maybe you're, you're now the associate director, you're a director of performance, whatever. Inject back into your style, your training philosophy, your um, game plan of movement, and you put yourself back in it again. So it's mm-hmm. it's a it's a very similar process uh, of this mastery-based element that we go through, which that's a fantastic book if you've never read it, Mastery by Robert Green. But you go through it where there's this bricklaying phase where you learn all the technical aspects and you learn from your mentors and you learn all of this. But then ultimately, like Austin saying, to push yourself above and beyond to become from good to great, you interject back into your own style. And you, in my head, I've been planning this all along. I have, you know, Alex Truman training systems. I have whatever I've been working on, but you have to have that always being true to yourself and as always running in the background. For sure.
0: And then to play the other side of the field, I feel like we've just been talking to the intern so far since I've, I'm getting to the point where I'm looking probably in the next year to start the hiring process and start bringing another person onto my team and stuff like that. And looking at it from the other side of things, I would 1000% agree with the exact same thing we're talking about from the intern side of things. It matters a lot more who that person is than how professional they are to me in the hiring process. I need them to match the message way more than I need them to wear a fucking polo and khakis to come into the gym. Cause I can teach, I can teach skills. I can't teach how to talk. I can't teach you how to talk to people. I can't teach you the intangibles. Of being a good person. I can teach right. you how to fucking cue somebody. I can teach you how to adjust somebody. I can teach you how to dry needle, <clears> but I cannot teach you how to be a good person. That needs to come from in here. That needs to come from understanding the message. And that's something I've been thinking about a lot when I'm trying to make my like protocols on on how to hire and, and trying to lay systems in place for hiring in the future is it matters a lot more how that person interviews. It matters a lot more going to grab it. Is it somebody I want to grab a beer with? That's literally what it comes down to. I have that is one of the lines in my hiring protocol that I'm creating right now is, would I go grab a beer with this person for an hour? Yes or no. That's just a checkbox. And if it's a no, guess what? That person is not getting hired. Because if you can't have a conversation for an hour and be an interesting human, I don't care how good of a coach you are. People are not going to gravitate towards you. And that is not going to help the business. So being authentic, being true to yourself, understanding that like understanding that you created a culture. People are coming to you in the first place for the culture that you have created and trying to find the right people to fit the culture, not the right people with the right letters behind their name is way more important for the success and the growth of your business, your gym, your clinic, your team. This is also a play this also plays into skill coaches as well. Like making the right team and the right people that are a cohesive unit is a lot more important than picking the best coaches. (laughs) Like, I don't care what anybody says. If you don't have a good team culture, if you don't have people that are willing to work together from grappling to striking to the head coach, then guess what? That team's going to fucking fail. If you have the right people that want to work with each other every day and they want to get better, guess what? Everybody's going to get better.
1: (laughs) Amen. Yeah. And I think, I mean, I feel like we... (laughs) We say it enough that we should plug the, this book, Good to Great by Jim Collins. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know if that's one that you've read, Austin. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but literally the the book Good to Great by Jim Collins outlines how um, I think it's 15 publicly traded companies either stayed the same throughout, you know, four or five, six decades, or how they separated themselves and took over the market. So it's literally comparing the good companies that stayed alive to the great companies that took over the market. And, One of the biggest morals from that story is first, you have to get on the bus. You have to get people unified in the same mission, in the same um, direction of progression within your company. But second point to that, you have to get the right people on the bus. You can't just... Pick up anybody and everybody or somebody that's going to be continuously pulling the brake line or trying to go the opposite way Mm -hmm. or heckling the driver to steer this way. You have to get the right people on the bus that are carrying the momentum that have the same, like Austin said, intangible personality qualities that allow the bus to continue going forward. And then the the technical aspects and the X's and O's you can teach on the back end or you can just agree upon in the back end. That's the other thing that I feel like gets missed sometimes is like not only do I need to teach you my system? But maybe I need to learn off of your system back in, in the hiring process. So that's hard when you're, you're hiring somebody on or when you're trying to find a big fit because you're doing essentially a personality test with, and do you actually have the capabilities, right? That's the, the, the hard part behind that. But getting the right people on the bus is, is huge and it's key. And we actually just went through a big um, transformation with our rugby team, which is last week, which is Ken Stone is the, is the leader of talking about getting on the bus and I'm I'm a big fan of building that team culture, getting the right people in on the bus, but also as an interviewee, you have to be adaptable and accepting and genuinely see what that bus looks like. And am I a good fit? I feel like that's another point that can be highlighted too is like, yes, I want this job, but am I a good fit for this job? Is the job a good fit for me? Is this just a stepping stone,
0: which a lot of people like, that's, that's a big thing with a lot of people that like, that's something that I want to avoid the best way possible. And the best way possible is to provide competitive pay, provide benefits, provide a great work environment with great compensation. Um, but the biggest thing that you want to get over as a business owner is turnover, right? Is the job just a stepping stone? Cause you don't want somebody that gets off on the next stop. You want somebody that's got with you until till the wheels fall off. And that's what you want in an employee. Right. And yeah. for the most part, it's that's something that you could figure out when you talk to them for having an hour and drinking a beer. <laughs> but the other thing kind of steering a little bit away from that thought, but sticking with the bus rider and, or the bus driver analogy is something that the president of my Cairo school told us the first time it was in our new intro meeting. It's something that's always stuck with me. And even though I don't really like that guy, it's, it's very sound advice. And he's like, the bus driver, almost 99% of the time, is not the smartest person on the bus, right? The bus driver just kind of has the plan and knows where you're going. He's the person that can see forward. Everybody else, they can be all the smartest people and they need to be able to fit their roles. But the bus driver is almost always not the person that's the most technical, not the person that's the most skilled, but they can see the path going forward. And he told that to all of us in our, in our new student meeting. And that's always stuck with me because that's something that again, that's also in the hiring protocol is like, you can't just, even though you want to hire off personality, not skills, you can't be the person that you feel like you need to be in charge of every single facet. If you need to be in charge of every single facet, if you think you're the best in all these different categories, then why are you hiring somebody? (laughs) You should be looking for somebody that has a great personality, but also a skill set that can um, work with you, not just be the exact same person as you. And I feel like a lot of the times I'm directing this towards the skill coaches. That's where I'm getting to with this. A lot of the times, if say it's a head coach, um, say it's a gym where the head coach is also the owner of the gym. They try to hire people that filter underneath them. They try to hire people that, 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 do the same things they do because that's how they want to teach instead of hiring people that complement them, hiring people that are a better grappling coach than them, hiring people that are better at X, Y, and Z than them, because that allows you to delegate instead of try to oversee this entire process. I feel like a lot of the times that's why we get specialty gyms versus successful gyms. And I feel like, like factory X where you're at does a very good job of that. Mark Montoya does a great job of, Hey, this is what I'm good at. From what I understand, I, I don't know. I've never been there, but just from the outside looking in, he does a very good job of this is what I'm good at. I'm going to get the perfect people in these perfect spots for the stuff that I'm not the best at. And I'm going to give you free reign to do what you want.
1: Well, yeah. And that's, that's the thing. <laughs> like he he's the general and the admiral, right? He he's directing the ship, um, through the waters, but he knows that, that we have, you know, the, I, I run myself on the ground with this analogy because I know nothing about sailing, but <laughs> <laughs> he's got different captains that lead different segments of whatever aspect of the gym going on. But, and I think that's, that's another uh, ego trip, isn't it? That's another ego problem is like, sure. I want to hire this person because they agree with me. And like the confirmation bias runs rampant in the hiring process because you want to hire somebody that, you know, and you like, and and you think um, thinks the same as you but oftentimes that's not the best. You need somebody that compliments you that you can genuinely build a relationship for, and you can grow the business into the future with. That's the, the thing. You don't want somebody getting off at the next step, but you got to think about, is this person going to be a good fit in 15 years as well as in five weeks?
0: Right. And I guess a more concise way of saying what I was saying is you got to look to hire. if you're If you're the head coach, you got to look to hire people you want to be partners with Not that you want to be your assistants for the most part, you you're from what I see from gyms across the country. I think fight ready does a good job of this. And I also feel like, like I said, looking outside in factory X is a good job of this, but other gyms, I see where the head coach is hiring people that complement their, that don't complement their style. They just, their assistants underneath them versus hiring people that fill in the gaps and hiring people that you want to partner with moving forward
1: versus people that you want to have control over. Right. And it's like a, a way that I think about it too, is like, I'm going to hire you for job and I just want you to be badass. like, I'm going to hire you. To be you, to be a badass, to do what you do. I'm not exactly. gonna hire you so that I can tell you what I do and then have you do half ass what I do, right? It's the, the being authentic thing as well. You gotta allow others to be authentic rather than try and, you know, puppet master them into whatever system you think that you you've created
0: for sure. And then getting back to professionalism, I want to talk about if the one thing that bugs me, this is where professionalism comes in. And this is what I truly think is professionalism way more than cosmetics, way more than anything else. The number one rule is if you say you're going to do something, you better fucking do it. And I think that is way more important to professionalism than anything else. Yeah. If you say you're going to be at a meeting, be at the meeting. If you say you're going to show up to practice, show up to practice, don't show up five minutes late. Don't show up 10 minutes late. That's one of my biggest pet peeves. And and don't get me wrong. I'm guilty of it sometimes too, when, some, when certain circumstances arise and I feel like dog shit when it happens. But the biggest thing is if you say you're going to do something, you better do it. And that to me, that's the true definition of professionalism because there's nothing more professional than backing up what you say.
1: I cannot agree more. And I've been in a a recent phase with with my professionalism too. It's like, I'm running from this practice, that practice, this training session to that training session, back, forth, back, forth. And it's like, and I'm in this communication. It's like, yeah, I'll have that program to you by the end of the week or whatever. And it's like, that's a deadline that I set for myself, you Mm -hmm. know? And like, for me, it's like, I don't care if I get home at 11 from a a sporting event and then I still have to write this program. I'm going to write it that night and send it because that's what I said I'm going to do. And I feel like that's, that's where the intangible of like the work ethic and the dedication and the commitment comes into play is like, are you willing to follow through because it would be easy for, for me to justify and say, you know, work-life balance. I'm tired. I've had a whole week off or I've had a whole week of training and of meetings and I need to have some me time and and balance my life and, and, and this and that. But it's like, no, I made a commitment. I'm going to work hard as shit through it. I'm going to make this relationship so that in the future I can have that work-life balance, you know? Exactly. And well, so it's a, yeah, it's a, a commitment thing. And it's also like, if you're going to set a deadline, you got to be realistic with that deadline too. Because there are pro- times when I've ran myself into a wall and said, I'm going to do this and this and this and this all by Friday. And it's just <laughs> physically impossible. <laughs> you know, it's not that sure. I'm not working hard dead It's just, I didn't plan and measure out myself well enough. So um, the follow-through I think uh, is key. And that's where A lot of our our work ethic and intangibles in that realm can come into play.
0: Well, and and it's a common problem that young professionals have, right? You feel like you want to be able to help as many people as possible. That's why you get into the service industry, whether it's coaching, whether it's strength conditioning, whether it's healthcare, whether it's dietetics, any of the things building fighter works with, you get into that because you want to help people, right? But because of that, you overextend yourself at the beginning. You have to learn what your boundaries actually are. How far can you, like I said it a couple of weeks ago, I I think a couple of weeks ago, you got to know how to work hard before you know how to work smart. You got to push yourself to that boundary of what can I actually, what's my actual workload that I can maintain. And then from there, you can scale back and see what's reasonable, or you can scale back and see what you can actually do. And I've run into it. I've overextend myself constantly. I'm still a young professional. <laughs> like I tell people I'm I'm going to do things and I always do it but I'm tired of shit for the most part, but it's finding how far you can push yourself, finding what your personal work-life balance is, going back to authenticity. Because if you're working yourself to the ground and you don't want to do that job, well, guess what? That's going to show and that's going to be portrayed to the athletes you're working with. If you don't care about being there because you're exhausted, that shows. So finding what your actual threshold is, backing off a little bit, and then finding what's authentic to you, how you can work through X, Y, and Z, and and not overextend yourself anymore. Because even though it's well-intentioned to say yes to everybody, because you want to help as many people as possible, you're actually doing people a disservice if you're not providing the best care you can because you've overextended yourself. And that's a common problem that I see time and time again, whether it's me, whether it's my my colleagues, whether that, whether it's us with building a fighter, when we have deadlines that we're working and we still are both working 60 to 70 hours a week, like it's something that can be avoided by finding that threshold first. And then from there, scaling everything back to what's reasonable, what can I actually do and provide the best care possible?
1: hundred yeah, percent. That's that that's a huge self-awareness piece. That's a huge planning and organization piece. Um, yeah. It's another thing that used to drive me crazy especially with Austin. Um, but like you can do a lot by just winging it or making sure that you have your deadline set and then you can meet your deadlines or whatever. But like, if you plan things out, have organized actionable steps and you look at that realistically and you're aware of your own thresholds and you're aware of what you're willing to do within yourself, then you can plan all that shit out and organize it. Because I feel like when we get into business trouble or when we get, you know, cutting weights, a good parallel for this, we don't necessarily run out of effort or um, or desire or work ethic, anything like that. We run out of time. We just mm-hmm. straight up run out of time, right? So so you need to plan accordingly based on your threshold, based on your workload, based on what you're willing to do. And I, just, I think that perspective comes with, um, I hate saying this, but comes with a little bit of experience, but also comes with a lot of self-awareness and knowing what you're willing to do.
0: Sure. No, it's like, I live, I've said it on here before. I feel like I keep saying that I talk about organized chaos all the time. That's how I typically operate. Like if I were to, you guys don't have the video, but if I was to show you my side of our desk room versus Lisa's side of our desk room, they're a very separate thing. Um, But the more and more I try to make these systems, the more and more I'm trying to grow, the more and more I'm going through life and actually like moving up a little bit, the less and less I can actually operate with organized chaos as much as I love it. And as much as that's where I feel like I thrive, I just get to the point where I'm too busy. I need to have a schedule, even though it pains me to literally write down my week and have things planned out. Cause I like freedom America. I can't, I can't get all the things I want done. I can't work with all the athletes that I want. I can't program. I can't, I can't separate the times without putting it into my Google calendar. Without actually being prepared and and having a set schedule, because if I don't have a sketch, like I went this last year, I'm fine saying it on here this last year, I think I can, I, I worked out under 75 times and it's not because I didn't want to outside of wrestling, wrestling doesn't count. That's just fun for me, but actually lifting under 75 times. And it's because of my schedule. It's because I didn't put it into my day and I allowed myself to work through when I was supposed to be exercising. I didn't, I didn't factor in me time, which working out is my me time. And because it wasn't in my schedule, if I didn't block it out, I would put people where I was supposed to be working out, or I would, I would put work ahead of what I should be doing for my body. And that's the only way, because you have to, the best way to be authentic is to also love your life every day. Right. Yeah. Right. If you're not doing the things that make you happy, guess what? you're not going to be authentic in the first place. You're going to to be grumpy. When, When I don't work out, I'm grumpy. So that's something that I realized over this last year is even though I don't want to keep a schedule, I absolutely hate it. If I have it in my Google calendar it's going to get done. That's just the type of person I am. And I need to schedule out my day in order to be successful. Yeah.
1: And there's a whole, there's a lot of layers there to why we prioritize work over self-care and everything. But it's interesting too, that we're in, we're, we are in this field, right? We are in the health and wellness field. And then we still have trouble prioritizing it over our own work because I mean, I'm in the same boat as you, Austin, but, um, but what I parallel that with, like with your Google calendar, with getting more organized and setting things like is the bandwidth in my own head. Mm-hmm. Like I used to schedule everybody either pen and paper in my head and I would remember it, right? Mm-hmm. But I got to the point where there was so much of that, that it was taking up so much bandwidth in my head. I was thinking about my schedule, who I had when and and being prepared for my day and having to re uh, recollect everything that's going on that I wasn't having the mental bandwidth to prioritize to something like continuing education or to prioritize to something like is this the genuine best exercise selection or best program for this athlete in my front of me? So that's where I went to Google calendar. That's where I went to, um, long-term planning for some of my goals. That's where I went to this because I can have it written down and then it's out of my head. And then I can focus on being present or the problem at hand or the task. Um, because again, I think that made me more effective at my job that I don't have to constantly be thinking, Now nah, I'm, and I also, also 180 on this, I, I, now the days I always have my phone in my hand for my session. I used to never look at my phone throughout the day when I was on the floor. Right. But now I'm looking at my Google calendar. I put all of my program programming on true coach. So I have it literally on my phone through the true coach app when I'm coaching somebody. So I don't have to think what's this person athlete or what's this person's program. Let me memorize this hour or run them through that. Versus like, you know, when you have 20 to 30 clients, 20, 30 different programs, you know how much bandwidth that takes to memorize everybody's workout for the day. Oh yeah. Right? So now I have it on true coach. I look it up. It's like, all right, what's Braxton's day today look like? Okay. He's got the power. All right, let's do this. Oh shit. I forgot how many reps he's supposed to do reps, you know, right there mm-hmm. in my hand. So again, streamlining things and prioritizing not only your time, but your thoughts and your energy towards What's going to take you to the next level going forward versus like what's immediate?
0: For sure. I have way too many concussions to try to remember workouts. So <laughs> <Right. laughs> like, right. I write them all up and I tell every single person, if you don't take a picture, I'm not going to hold your hand. <laughs> Everybody asks me, it's like, how many rests on this? I like, why would I know? I don't well, know. Like, I'm not doing the workout. I just wrote it. You're yeah, doing right, the workout. Right there. <laughs> There's seven other people going right now.
1: <laughs> yeah. Right. I have 17 different concerns that are more than how many reps. Yeah.
0: That's the other thing. Completely random. I hate counting for people. I don't do it anymore. Yep. Yeah. Never have never will. Not a professional counter. I'm really bad at that anyway. So I, I don't know why I would do that, but yeah, okay. that's a lot of professionalism. Show up on time, control the things you can control, be authentic. That's my too long. Don't read or didn't read. Sorry. It's good. Yeah. It's a good little summary. All right, y'all. Well, that is our little rant on professionalism and hiring and all the fun stuff being authentic. Uh, please like share, subscribe, do all the cool stuff that allows us to become friends with your friends. Um, if you like the podcast, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts that'll boost that SEO. We talk about it all the time, but if you are in need of strength and conditioning and or have a previous history of low back problems and want to strengthen that low back, we have programs for you at buildingafighter.com. We have individual programs. If you have a team and you have a gym, but you don't have a coach. We have team programs that are available as well. And then we also have that low back program. Um, please let's, oh, if you got to reach out to us, all of our information is going to be in the show notes. Um, so let us know whether it be email, Instagram, Twitter, uh, or at the website. And then as always, this is Dr. Austin Shane,
1: Alex Friedman,
0: and we are out.